As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast, your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Today we have a really special guest who we're super excited to have on the pod. We have Carolyn Kilstra. She is the editor-in-chief of Self Magazine, where she led the transformation of the historically print-rooted brand into a thriving-led digital organization. Under Carolyn's leadership, Self has been repeatedly recognized for its experience with a number of awards, including the National Magazine Award for social media. Carolyn has worked in the health and wellness media world for over a decade and has worked as an editor at a range of national publications, including BuzzFeed, Women's Health, Men's Health, and Cosmopolitan. Yeah, we've both worked with Carolyn as self-contributors for a while now, and it's been really great to see how she's just completely transformed self into a platform that's more inclusive, it's more diverse. So today we want to talk to Carolyn about the growth that self has experienced, how to bring inclusivity into a major media platform, and all things wellness, redefining wellness, wellness trends, mm-hmm. all of the things. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, we're so excited. So I think people will probably be curious to know, I'm curious, like, how did you get started working in the world of media? Tell us a little bit about your background and your journey. Yeah, so I have always loved writing since I was, like, old enough to read, basically. Um, When I was in third grade, I, like, carried around little notebooks where I would write brilliant novels in um, like all the, I was really cool. Very cool as a child. <laughs> Love it. And I was like editor in chief of my school newspaper in high school. And I was involved in the school paper in college. But the way I got involved in magazine media is kind of honestly related to this whole conversation. And in, in general, I was on a business trip with my mom, which was awesome. And I was, I was walking around the city while she was like at her conference. I was walking around the city uh, with some of her friends and I mentioned, you know, this was in college and I mentioned to one of them that I liked writing and she was like, oh, and I had this history of working on the newspaper, et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, oh, I know somebody pretty high up at Maxim Magazine. Let me see if they need an intern. And so just totally randomly, I, I had this connection and ended up getting an internship at Maxim Magazine. And that was the first internship that I had in magazines. And I was totally hooked. But this is kind of a, a cringy, uncomfortable story to tell because it's, it's like exactly, you know, illustrative. It, it's exactly it tells the story of, of part of the big problem with media in general um, and why media has historically been so exclusive. And that's that, you know, I had the privilege of being able to take an unpaid internship that I got because of a connection. 
<laughs> and like what that says, you know, I was very lucky and incredibly grateful. And I'm grateful to this day that I had that, that privilege and that, and was in that position. But I also recognize what that means about who historically has had access to the media industry and to working in the media industry and, and what that means about the topics that editors used to cover, still cover, and, and, and who deems what is important enough to get coverage. So not to get like immediately <laughs> into it, but I was looking at, I was thinking about this question. And I was like, oh, I, I really should just be, you know, honest about it. Like I was super lucky. I had a connection that I'm to this day, very, very grateful for, but it's, it's something that's really, really formed the way that I think about, you know, our coverage and, and hiring and, and what ethically we have a responsibility to do as a brand in the media space. I'm happy you brought that up because for people that do have this privilege of taking on these internships and, you know, of being in these positions, they're really the ones that are telling our stories in media and shaping the way that that images are shaped, especially with you. You work in the wellness space. So what you're doing at Self, I mean, it's completely different from most mainstream media. And so I would love to know about how you got to where you are now in terms of what made you want to shift the way that media was presented? You guys are super intentional about imagery, inclusivity. What inspired you to shift gears a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to say that I was I was always self-conscious or always uh, conscientious about this stuff, but that would be a lie. I've been in the health and wellness media industry for about a decade now. And as you mentioned before, kind of worked my way up to a bunch of different publications. Um, and this honestly um, and regrettably wasn't something that I thought much about initially. But the longer that I spent working in the industry and the more senior I became, the more I thought about this stuff. Actually, when I, when I first started working at BuzzFeed was when I realized what it would mean to create a media brand that I feel great about and that does that that reaches people and could be whatever it needed to be. Because previous to that, I'd only worked in magazine media where like you have to kind of follow what the, the brand voice is and you have to think about the brand demographics and you have to think about newsstand sales and, and fill in the blank, all sorts of different things. And so there wasn't much control over experimentation or what have you. Um, but then I got to BuzzFeed and this was in 2014 and was tasked with basically creating their health vertical. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, if I could make this whatever I want to make it, what, what should that be? And, and so that was, that was like a cool experience, kind of like first taste in, in like thinking about what it, what it means to like lead a brand. And then I came to Self, uh, where I was the digital director for a year. And then when Condé Nast, Self's parent company, made the bold decision to fold the magazine and, and have the brand go digital only, I, I was kind of faced with that same challenge, which is, okay, redefine the brand mission and define the values that serve that mission. And the mission we determined was help people live healthier lives, whatever that looks like to them. And in order to accomplish that, the values that you know guide everything we do are, there's four of them, inclusivity, because you're only helpful to people who feel included and welcome and seen in your world. Accuracy, because it's only helpful if it's true. Empathy, because people don't want to be judged. They want to feel supported. And autonomy, because everybody's body is their own and the things that they do with it are their choice. And so from there, it was like, okay, 
how do we do this? How, like, in, I, I fully believe in that mission and those values. And so we need to make sure that everything we do ladders up to that. And, and so from there, really, really understanding the mission, really understanding the values has really been the, the driving force behind all of the editorial decisions that we've made. Oh, I love all. I'm like mm-hmm. getting chills with all those things that you said because I'm like, oh my god, that's so perfect. Wow, I love that's yeah, that's exactly what a transformation. I know, like, oh, oh my god, it's everything. I love that you guys like sat down and talked about like what is our actual vision, like instead of just because I feel like I, I'm a journalist too. I guess like I went to journalism school and that was my first career and I love writing. And a lot of times it feels like you're just kind of. Um, regurgitating the same things over and over again in the media cycle, especially like you were saying, the magazine cycle. And so just to be able to be like, no, we're actually going to redefine the conversation is amazing. I did an article for Healthy-ish, like as part of Bon Appetit, about how to make wellness more inclusive. And when I was researching, I saw that you had this like very bold, like editor's letter statement that was like, wellness has a race problem. And you were like going in and I was like, yes, (laughs) snap, snap. Yes, Everything. I was like, go, Carolyn. I was like, <laughs> I was like this? Um, oh, my God. I, I just have to say, like, we have, I worked very hard on that essay in, in collaboration with numerous black women on staff. Mm. Um, so there were tons of different versions of it. And, and I got feedback and, and opinions from, from different black women on staff about what am I saying right here? am I getting something wrong? Like as the editor in chief who has this platform, this is what I'm going for, but am I missing something? And, and several black women on staff were, were kind enough to lend their thoughts and, and really helped make that, that essay as, as strong and impactful as it was. Yeah. It was so like, It was not, you know, it, I, I meant every word of it, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without a lot of help. Well, I think, and that's like the beauty in it because it is supposed to be like a a dialogue and I like that it's, yeah, like I feel like so many outlets, they just put something out there and it's like, wait a minute, you don't have nobody on your staff that was able to like give you any feedback on this and let you know that this probably was problematic or offensive or whatever. But the, the fact that you went to folks and said like, hey, what do you think about this? What can I add? What makes this more powerful? I think is awesome. And my next question is really just, what are some things that you have been able to do, like since you made that statement with that essay, what are the things that you've done with self to make wellness more inclusive and accessible? <sighs> Before I even get into it, I just want to say that like one of the things that we talk about all the time is how much more that we should be doing. And so it's something that we're we're constantly working on. So I don't want to come across in any way like I'm patting myself on the back or like we're like, yes, we've solved <laughs> we've solved racism. Everything is fine. <laughs> But we, you know, I think it's been a very intentional effort and it continues to be to, to think about ways to make the brand a more inclusive space. And it, and it involves all sorts of different kind of levers to pull. So some of that is in the hiring process. You know, every hiring manager on my team knows that I won't look at a list of finalists that doesn't include people of color because there are excellent, excellent people of color out there who should be on our candidate list and who should be on our radar. And, and if that requires like intentionally looking that, so be it, that's important. And that's something that we need to be doing. So they know that that like right off the bat, they know that that's a requirement. 
beyond and that and that in, involves outreach, right? So it's not just like letting the resumes come in. It involves like reaching out to organizations like um, writers of color and so on to just make sure that these job listings are in front of as many eyes as possible. We also very recently, you know, we've been talking a lot about making sure that our contributors are more diverse um, and that we have, that we're soliciting pitches all the time from, from a, a wide range of people. But we very recently made sure, like gave somebody on the team the explicit, like part of her job responsibilities are to keep track because there's no way of really knowing how well you're doing if you don't know what your baseline is and you don't know and you're just like not, if you're not counting, then you really have no idea. And you can you can feel good about yourself without without any reason to feel good about yourself, basically. And so it's just it's a way to keep us accountable. On that same note, um, that same person kind of serves as a a sensitivity reader. Uh, so that's become part of her job too. Like we've hired sensitivity readers in the past for like really complicated, thorny projects, but we realized that everything should really probably have a second set of eyeballs on it, where like where that person's job is explicitly to think about like, how could, is this potentially problematic? Um, and if so, like, how do we want to address that? And then, and then beyond that, it's, it's also a matter of making sure that the visuals on, uh, for our brand are, are reflective of humanity. We have an incredible photo director. Her name is Amber Venerable. She's like, the, she's just the best. And she has been just such an incredible partner in, in helping to, to make sure that our look is just a lot more inclusive. So what we've done is a few things. We, we, we realize that like we use a lot of stock photography and like stock photography is, is notoriously not inclusive. And so we've done eight or nine original stock photo shoots to replace that kind of Getty photography so that it looks again, like a lot more like what humanity looks like with racial and body size and ethnic and age and gender presentation, diversity, that sort of thing. And then we also kind of redefined what a fitness model is. Um, so like workouts are like a huge part of our brand identity. It's a huge part of what we do. And we realized that all of our workouts were kind of looking the same um, because we had the same way of producing them, which is like call up the local like fit model agency and, th- and they, they provide a fit model and we shoot a few at a time and so on. And then we realized like you can get diverse fit models, but you, you know, and, and the good news about fit models is that it's their job to be fit and to know how to do the workouts, but they all have the same body type. And so we did a casting call for what we called non-model fitness enthusiasts, mm. people who love to work out, who don't typically see themselves represented in mainstream media. And we had hundreds of people apply and we had them come in and try out where basically all we were looking for was, did they have good form? Because that's the only thing that matters. And then we casted like 25 of them to shoot six months worth of workouts. And that was so successful and so well received that we, we just did it again. Yeah. So it's like little things like that, like that kind of, they add up, you know, with again, the disclaimer, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I saw the images, just like the color composition. Yes, it looks it's all like Amber. She is a genius. She's a, yeah, I think I met her actually because when I work with you guys on that course, I feel like she was there and she was so cool. And isn't she the best? She's yeah, she she's is just, the best. She's the best. <laughs> I, I just, love her. I, I could was, talk about her for like hours. Yeah. I oh oh my God. And I feel like too, just seeing the photo like for me, okay, so when I see wellness stuff on Instagram, if it's like just like you said, if it's the same thing over and over, I just like tune it out. But when self started coming out with like even stuff like 
black hair and skin mm-hmm. that was like a black person that I've never ever seen before ever. I was like, oh my God. And then I like go and I like look at the products and I like buy them on Amazon. And so just those little things or even seeing that article about the dietitian, I forget her name, but she was talking about how she eats, how she helps her patients eat healthy during Ramadan. I'm interested oh, right. in, yeah, just like those basic things that it's like, hello, there's so many people who. Yeah, these stories are yeah. just like overlooked all of the time. Yeah, you guys are like changing Oh, you guys the are game. so sweet. Oh, no, no, we love We, love, we recommend it to everybody. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, that's why we've created content for you because <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> yeah. we love working with you. We yeah. love working with you both. All right. Hands up if this is you. Are you looking to cook more balanced, delicious recipes that don't take a million hours in the kitchen to prepare? Are you confused with all of the misinformation online and want expert advice? Well, we have the perfect program for you. Our best of program takes on a practical approach to nutrition that doesn't involve fads. We've put together the absolute best of everything we've ever offered in all of our online programs. So think our webinars, our meal prep programs, hundreds of recipes, our signature walk into wellness program, all of it. It's all in one place and you'll be getting over 15 hours of videos, all of our best worksheets, hundreds of our favorite exclusive recipes, meal prep programs, and more all in one place. It's totally up to you what you want to dig into. We have meal prep programs that are seasonal, functional, and themed in case you want more structure to your meals, shopping lists, day-by-day breakdowns. We also have over 15 hours of video and audio content so you can go at your own pace and dig into whatever topic you're interested in. There's worksheets and articles ready for you whenever you need it. And you can really think about this kind of like your own resource library that you can tap into whenever you want. Want to learn more? Visit foodheavenmadeeasy.com best of. And we actually have a special coupon code that our podcast listeners can use. And it's dirty30. So enter that code at checkout for 30% off our best of program. That's foodheavenmadeeasy.com slash best of. All right, let's get back to our episode. These are these can be touchy topics for us. It's like yeah. we 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 like we don't yeah. mind talking about this stuff. We love it, but it can make certain people a little uncomfortable. Usually, white people. So, yeah, tell us about what your experience has been like talking about like race, body size, accessibility. Because self is a major media platform. So, what is the feedback that you've been getting? How has it been t- like opening up these kinds of conversations? Yeah, I, th- that's a really good question. I will say that I have gotten plenty of emails from angry white people. No, we've gotten a few of those. Um, Basically, these are our values. There's the way we think about it is, is, you know, again, we're inclusive. We want to talk to everyone and, and it's important that we talk to everyone with respect and that we are consistently warm and, and like how kind of assuming good intentions but even even with all that, we're we're not going to satisfy everybody, right? And and there's certainly people who are angry with the direction that we've gone in. And to which I say, you know, that's too bad. But there's plenty of other options out there that will satisfy them more. And in the meantime, we're growing and we're bigger than we've ever been because we're reaching more people, and we're helping more people. And like the Tess Holiday cover, um, I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes, yeah, we, we did. Loved it. Yeah. Yes, of I mean, course. even yeah, with because we follow her, and it's just like crazy the kind of comments that I see on her posts. Like I saw she posted the cover, and 
I mean, I don't know where you were going to be going with this, but it was just like the <laughs> trolling and like all. I'm just like, what is going on with all yeah. these crazy people online? I mean, I think fat stigma is is horrific so real, and pervasive, yeah. and she is incredibly strong in the face of just like a tremendous amount of hate and cruelty. And I hate that her involvement with us kind of led to more of that for her. Although we, we specifically sought her out because we knew that she was already an activist in this space. So we knew that this was something that she was willing to take on, you know? So the Tess Holiday cover for people who don't know, our first digital cover featured Tess Holiday, who is a, a size 22 model. And it, she was, basically naked on the cover. It was meant to look like kind of self covers of the past, but like with the obvious difference that she had a, a clearly different body type than what you're used to seeing. And it said, Tess Holiday's health is none of your business. Mm. And it was meant to send a really intentional, strong message that we're different and we've changed and we have like clear value system. And this is what we believe in. And fat shaming is, is a, is a public health crisis but we didn't know how people were going to receive it. Like I, I thought it was totally possible that we'd lose a huge number of followers and like this could be, this could be harmful to, to the brand. But to me, it was just, it was so obviously important and so worth it that I was like, okay, let's take that risk. And we did lose followers, but we actually gained a lot more than we lost, which just shows again that like when you, when you're inclusive and when you don't make people feel like garbage and you make them feel welcome and, and you're empathetic, you reach more people. And if your goal is to help people, that's a good thing. Exactly. And it's like the followers that you lost, goodbye. Those yeah. aren't the people who are <laughs> right. aligning right. with your values anyway. So it's like why even, yeah, if they're going to have an issue with that, it's like you're not our target audience, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Right. Like 100%. 100%. Yeah. You can't be everything to everyone. Exactly, exactly. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about wellness trends because you are mm-hmm. an editor and you're like, you know, in the wellness space. So what are some of the most annoying wellness trends that you've come across, if you can share? Ooh, where do I begin? How do you guys feel about celery juice? Is that a good place oh to Oh my start? God. <laughs> yes, that's a great place to start. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, it's, I have a hard time talking about this stuff because like, Look, if you want to eat, if you want to drink celery juice because it makes you feel good, then drink celery juice. It's not going to hurt you, right? Um, as, as long as you're also getting like the care that you need and you're not replacing the care that you need with celery juice only and you're eating, you know, enough calories and you're, you're treating yourself well, if celery juice is part of your, of your wellness ritual and you're happy with that, then good for you. I think what, what makes me frustrated about trends like this is that it feels like people are being taken advantage of, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not just celery juice, but that's like a really good example. People are looking for a solution and they're being promised that like this one thing is going to be the magic solution to a a million different problems. And, and it's not, and, and that's your take, like the people who are promoting this, this as a, as a, a wellness thing are, are taking advantage of people who in many cases are, are really desperate for, for help. You know, and so that's kind of like, like celery juice, whatever, but like, it just, it makes me mad the way all these other like quick fix magic things make me mad because it's like, you are, you are taking advantage of people. Absolutely. And also like, there are people that are struggling to just eat vegetables. Like they don't have the money to 
incorporate vegetables onto their plate every day. And so they see these things and they invest a lot of money into like buying the organic celery and like God knows how much celery you need to make one celery celery juice. juice. (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh my God, you know? So it's a lot of these trends are, are also like really exclusive. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, it's, what do they call it? The worried well who are able to pay like a ton of money for something that's not going to be effective at all. Right. But in the meantime, it's got this aesthetic that, that makes you think that like you have to do it. And if you don't do it, then you're lesser than. Are there any trends that you've come across that you're like, Ooh, I, I can kind of get on board with this. I'm feeling this. (laughs) <laughs> Any trend that involves getting better sleep. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I, I think mindful mindfulness, like I don't particularly see the harm in it, right? Like I, I think a lot of people get get a lot of benefit from it. I've personally started journaling and I feel like it's it's like low-key changed my life <laughs> a mm. little bit. Um, so I'm kind of of the mindset that like, the, like what works for you, as long as it's not harming you or harming other people, like you go for it. You know, I, I think it's, it's like where you get these like magic cures that like make false promises is where you get, is where you get in trouble. Can you talk about your journaling? Cause I'm curious now. So like, do you use prompts or how do you go about it? <laughs> how much time do you have? So I have a friend, uh, her name is Rachel Miller and she wrote a book about dot journaling, which is like a very specific type of journaling that follows like very specific rules, which is great for me because I'm, I'm, I just like need structure. I like crave being like <laughs> that, that intense structure. And the way it works for me is that basically every night um, before I go to bed, I just jot down a few notes about some of the more impactful or important things that happened today. It's like usually like half a page of writing. I also like to include like notes about my daughter's bedtime routine because I kind of have a feeling like I'm going to want to look back at that in a few years and be like, Oh, remember that. And then I, and then I list out the things that I have on my schedule for tomorrow. And then I also do a habit tracker. I don't know if you've seen, they're kind of like all over Instagram, but like, it's basically like you have the habits that you want to do, or maybe the habits that you don't want to do. And then you have like the days of the month and you color in like which days you've done the things that you want to be doing. And it's actually been super helpful for me to like see patterns. I'm like, Oh, I only do laundry on Saturdays and Sundays. No wonder my life is a total mess (laughs) or oh, I'm showering every four days. Maybe I got to work on that. Like <laughs> that sort of thing. It's been, it's been really kind of amazing at making me like just feel more in control and like less kind of mind racy, like as I lay in bed at night, you know, cause you have like, everything is out. It's out of my head. It's on the page. I don't have to think about it anymore. I love that. Yeah. We're going to so cool. we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. Journaling. Yeah. You should totally include a link to her, to her book. Cause I it will. was like, it's beautiful and it's so useful. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm doing something similar where I write like half a page at the end of the day, kind of like body kindness. Like what are things I did to be kind of my body and then gratitude. But I love the idea of also adding the next day because for me, that kind of trips me up because if I don't have that planned out, it can just be a disaster because then my mind will kind of be racing and I'll like wake up with all these like ideas. And so just getting them out at the end of the night is beautiful. So I'm definitely going to incorporate that and we will include it in the show notes. Let me know how it goes. Okay, I will. <laughs> so Carolyn, let's talk about what wellness looks like for you because I, I know you had a baby not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were on a panel about self-care and you were like, I'm working on it because... <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm barely getting sleep in right now. So yeah. like, and and I think that's, your perspective is important because in the wellness space, it's like people have this idea that all we're doing is like drinking green smoothies and sleeping for 10 hours a night and like <laughs> meditating every morning. And that's just not real for a lot of us. So talk to us about what wellness looks like for you right now. Oh, man, this is so embarrassing because we had that panel. I want to say it was like the week I came back from maternity leave. And I, I honestly, my answer hasn't changed. That's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, my, my child is now 20 months old. So it has been over a year, like a year and a half since then. So, yeah, I mean, wellness to me is, yes, getting enough sleep, which I still do not do. But I'm working. I try really hard. It's also now that it's warmer out, I'm going on walks with my husband and my baby and my dog. And that's, that's really nice. It's a nice way to clear my head. The journaling to me is a form of self-care. I've been reading a lot. Like I, I realized that like, I, like I don't have a ton of free time, right? So it's like 15 minutes here and there. And I'd been wasting that time on Twitter, right? Just like making myself miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I've been carrying books around with me and it's like completely changed the way I feel just throughout the day. I just, I just don't feel as, enraged. Um, and the books, I've just been choosing really good books, like really Ooh. good books. So I feel Share. like it's awesome. Yeah. Which ones? What are your top yeah, two? Yeah. so restorative. Tell like, us some Yeah. Titles. What books? Like a couple. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, I can go on, but um, <laughs> I just read Homegoing by Yagyasi. I don't actually know how to pronounce her name, but it is just spectacular. An incredible, incredible book. It's a it's like a multi generational story of a family that started um, in on the coast of Africa during the slave trade, and it goes to wow. modern day, um, and it's just like unbelievable, incredibly beautiful, devastating, just amazing. I also really love Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which is <laughs> actually there's like a pattern here. It's a multi-generational family story <laughs> also, um, over the uh, 20th century of a Korean family in Japan-occupied Korea and then um, as kind of second-class citizens as Koreans in Japan, which was fascinating and also beautiful and devastating. And I also read a few memoirs recently that are just amazing. Heavy by Keith Lehman was, I, I'm like still processing it. It was so good educated um by tara westover have you guys heard of that no, no. we're writing everything it's, uh, down. it's uh, educated i think it's called educated it's um it's about a woman who grew up homeschooled by doomsday prepper parents in mm. utah no idaho sorry <laughs> and anyway so she hadn't she didn't step foot in a in a school until she was like 17 years old and it's about like what what her kind of education was like um and like being like waking up to the facts of the world because she had um, only experienced like what reality was through the eyes of her genu genuinely, the, her doomsday prepper parents. So that was fascinating. And then the last one, and, I'm, and then I promise I'm done. It was called the collected schizophrenias. Um, and Ooh. I cannot remember. I think it's Esme Weijun Wong. Um, I can't remember her name exactly. So I'll get you, I'll get you those, that note soon. But she is a woman who lives with schizoaffective disorder. And so she talked a lot about, it's just a collection of essays about what schizophrenia is, what the schizophrenias are, because it's actually like a, a collection of conditions and, and what it's like to live with, with this condition. Oh my God. These all sound like yeah. things I'd want to read Whoa. too. Sorry, I was like, no, how I, much time do I have? No, I wrote them all down. I'm going to go to the library. Yeah, we'll include them in the show notes too. <laughs> I love it. 
Okay, so one kind of final question just about wellness and um, people consuming wellness. So how can people consume health news in a, in a more informed and useful way? What are your thoughts on that? It's so hard. There's so much confusing, contradictory information out there, isn't there? And you see headlines all the time and you're like, oh, wait, is coffee going to kill me or is coffee going to make me live forever? I don't, I just don't know. Um, Or what about celery juice? Like, it's so hard as somebody who doesn't have like a background in in science or, or health to really understand what's what. Um, And so like the best advice I have for people are, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If, if there's somebody who's promising that one solution is going to solve a ton of different problems, like this is going to cure cancer and fix your thyroid disorder and help you lose weight and X, Y, and Z or whatever, it's undoubtedly BS. <laughs> <laughs> trying to censor myself. And, and, you know, when it comes to like reading a health, like if you're reading a story about a health study, if it's a story about one single study, you have to read it with like a ton of skepticism because it's not generally the way that science works. And like the way that we as as a culture understand a scientific truth is that it's it's a collection of lots of different science experiments over a very long period of time, lots of different data and research that kind of all points in a certain direction as opposed to this one study proves this thing. And then like to get like more specific about it, like if, if a study is done in, in animals or in a Petri dish, you definitely can't necessarily extrapolate if that, it, that it'll have the same reaction in humans. Yeah, exactly. We cannot agree more. So be careful, y'all, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information in there and everyone's just like frantic figuring out how they're not going to die. Basically, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Right. People are so like, I totally get it. Why people are freaked out and also why they're so confused. You know, there's so much information. How do you know what's true? It's just it can be really hard. Yeah, and also making sure that the information you're consuming is by a credible source because there's a lot of influencers out there that are creating Mm. nutrition, health content that don't have any formal training in any of these topics. And so they're just putting out information based on their own experience. So just be really careful with that because that can be really tricky and dangerous as well. Oh, totally. It's like just because somebody's hot doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. Yeah, like They look that way (laughs) not because of anything they did, but probably because of genetics. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, or, or a ton of very intentional behavior, but it certainly isn't like because of one green juice Flat or tummy tea. fill in the blank. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Carolyn, this has been so great. We love chatting with you. Tell us all the great things you're working on. Tell mm-hmm. us about what's happening with self. Like, what do we need to look out for? Give us all the plugs. Let's see. I mean, you guys should all be following Self on Instagram and on Snapchat. It's at Self Magazine. Coming up in, I want to say May or June, is um, we're completely revamping the way we do our beauty awards. We're focusing on beauty products that kind of solve problems or address certain conditions. So like we've, we're looking at things like, do you have body focused repetitive behaviors? Like I do, like I, I pull my eyebrows out. So like, what are some good eyebrow pencils that are, that will help with that? Like that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or do you have rosacea? Or do you have psoriasis? Like what are some good moisturizers for that? So we're kind of just making sure that everything we do is, is like 
really solving a problem. And then we have uh, an exciting digital cover coming up that I can't tell you about, but keep an eye out for it. Okay. (laughs) I'm on your page right now looking at all the things you have going on. I mean, that, those are kind of the, oh, oh, actually, I'm really excited. We have this partnership with the Players Tribune. It was announced last year where we're basically highlighting, spotlighting um, female athletes um, and kind of asking them to talk about things that they maybe don't get the chance to talk about that often. I'm, I'm excited because it's just, it's timely because of all the equal pay stuff. And, and you know, we've talked to a wide range of athletes and, and just like really, really impressive women. And, and I'm just, I'm just excited for that to see the light of day. So. Awesome. We're so excited to stay tuned, mm-hmm. everything you'll be doing. So thank you so much for taking out the time to talk to us. We will catch you later. Bye, Carolyn. All right. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes. Do it right now. Just pause two seconds because the more reviews we get, the more people are able to see the podcast. And you can put on your friends, put on your family, put everybody on to all the magic that's happening over here. Listen up to this listener review. I'm so glad I found Wendy and Jess. I started following them on Instagram and have been so empowered by the knowledge they have and the gems they provide are priceless. I'm no longer afraid of actually enjoying food, no longer obsessed with labels, and I'm learning to eat according to the cues my body gives me. That's so sweet. Thank Thanks. you. Willie 109. Yes. <laughs> Wherever you are. And just so you guys know, you can connect with us online. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. And we are at Facebook or on Facebook at Food Heaven Made Easy. Our podcast is released every Wednesday. And in each episode, we'll get into how to make lifelong changes that help you live a healthier, more balanced life. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how you can cultivate that healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.